everyone, and welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast. My name is Paul Fagan, and I'm here with Jody Fisher. Hey, Jody. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Doing okay. Um, in short, this podcast is for all the dads out there who struggle with life's topics as they are related to family and finances. Uh, our hope is we can provide our thoughts, successes, and mistakes and share them with all of you. Um, this is our second podcast, and I hope over time the quality of each of these podcasts will improve. Um, so hopefully um, the 10th the one will be much better and smoother than the first one. So thank you for, uh, for listening. Uh, Jody, anything to add? No, we're excited to jump in, and we got a good topic this week. Yes, yes. I, I think our hot topic that we're going to discuss is going to be college savings, right? So um, how much does one have to save in order to send your kid or kids to school, right? So Too much. That's true. Yes, yeah. It really has become frightening. <laughs> it has become way too much money, right? I remember when I went to school, I went the old route. Um, my parents got a private school loan through Fordham. And coincidentally, that's where Jody and I met. Um, so I had this private school loan, and I think my tuition was locked in for a four-year rate of, of 12500 a year. And I thought that was pretty immense back then. And now uh, Fordham, last check, was at, with room and board, is upwards of 78000 So it's crazy. Um, over this 25-year uh, period, the, the cost of college has skyrocketed. Um, and at the end of the day, um, my situation was I had this school loan for a very long time and, and I kept paying. It was 373 a month. That's what I remember. I think it was 373.42. I paid every month, every and month. Isn't it funny how you remember that right down to the cent? Every month. Yeah. I paid that every, miserable. It's like it gets that and your, and your home phone number growing up are like the two things that just get branded on your brain. It's so funny. Yeah, it was incredible, right? So I had this, I went through this whole thing, and finally I got to a point after many years of working, and I, I, I was able to, I was working uh, at a bank at the time, and I got a small bonus, and I said, you know what? I'm going to pay the rest of this school loan off because I'm sick and tired of seeing this coupon book. And that, where I'm dating myself now. I had a coupon book, and I used to have to mail it in. That's how you used to pay it. Uh, back, back then, in our day. back in our day, that's right. Coupon books. <laughs> it was, it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. And I remember, um, uh, long story short, sending that, you know, calling for the payoff and the payoff was exorbitantly more than what it was supposed to be. And I couldn't figure it out. Um, but uh, a good friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, uh, who remained nameless, um, helped me and, and got the, uh, loan people on the call and, berated them into researching and fixing this issue. And it turned out they resold my loan three times. And on the second sale, uh, accidentally, they increased the percentage rate per month by one percentage point. So it's amazing. Just back office loan management uh, w w came into play and they screwed my loan up. But at the end of the day, it all so worked amazing. out. You got, you got to remember these people, you, you know, you, we, we, we put our trust in these institutions and you got to remember that these are just regular people. I'm not cutting them any slack here, but these are like just regular people who are just as stupid as anybody else <laughs> <laughs> and, make, and make mistakes. And you got to check these people on their math and on their decisions. You really need to be your, your own best advocate. Absolutely. You hit it right on the head because that happens with mortgage servicing. That happens with loan servicing, personal loan servicing, car loan servicing. Um, that's why, you know, that's the, the hidden 
the hidden pitfall of debt is you have people behind the scenes and systems behind the scenes that are not looking out in your best interest and, and are capable of making mistakes. And, and so um, at the end of the day, though, that's, a, that's probably a topic for another podcast. But um, at the end of the day, I, I sent the check. They sent me my payoff letter. I still have that letter. I'm surprised I didn't frame it, but I still have it in a very safe place. Uh, short story is you hit it, uh, the nail right on the head, Paul. Uh, ed- education is exorbitantly expensive in this country. Um, I, I personally think unnecessarily so. I'm not downing education, but I think the price of education is just nuts. I think it's an enormous barrier to a lot of people who want to go to college. Um, and I think it's brought up a topic that um, just pivoting away from the financial discussion of it for a moment um, makes people have to sit back and, and take a good hard look at the, the answer to the question, why am I going to college? Because I think, I mean, even as late as, you know, you and I going to college, what, 20, 25 years ago, just kind of, it was kind of like that mentality of like, well, you go to college, everybody goes to college, you should go to college, because that's the way you're going to get a good job. And by and large, that might be similar today, but but not as not so much. Uh, I, I think there, there are plenty of good paying jobs out there that, that don't involve college, you know, a liberal arts college at all. There might be specialty education at all. But um, that that's what uh, that that's what I'd be interested in be talking about is is the quest the answer to the question of why are you going to college? Because if you're gonna take out loans or spend all that money, you better be damn sure that when you come out the other end you're gonna be able to earn that money back and then some. Yeah, no, those are all great points. I mean, I think for me, uh, and I, you know, just to, I did work my way through college as well. Um, I had a job uh, off campus, uh, and and I was grateful for that job. Um, my wife, with her situation, um, she, um, we had a school loan that when we got married was still on the books, so to speak, and we slayed that dragon as fast as possible um, to get rid of that loan. Um, I became deathly scared of these these loans, just seeing how. Um, and we're seeing it today, right? Kids uh, working in Starbucks that took these exorbitant loans that can't pay them back. And, and, there's, and there's no chance of them paying them back anytime soon. So they're foregoing everything. They're foregoing life, essentially. They're foregoing buying a house or, or getting married in some cases. It, it's really kind of an interesting dynamic, um, which kind of leads back to my own kids, right? So for my kids, um, and we, I fell off the track a little bit in the past year or two, but I tried to put a certain fixed amount away for each kid every year uh, since they were born, right? So I opened the 529 plans and, and started from there. And the plans have done okay, um, but of course with these markets, each one never knows. Uh, my son may, when he needs the money, will it be there, right? Will we go through another catastrophic downturn in the markets and, and you know his, his savings goes to nil? But I could tell you and I could assure you, the money that I'm putting every year into these college funds, into 529 plan, is not nearly enough to what they would need. <laughs> it really isn't. And, and I know there's families out there that don't put any money away, and that's fine too. Everyone has a different philosophy on this. Um, and, and so for me, I try to put as much as possible um, that I can. Um, and, and at the end of the day, I, I, I put as much as, as, as humanly possible not to wreck our household and wreck my own retirement, my wife's retirement. And then we're going to just try to figure out figure it out when we get there, which I know is not the best answer, but 
that that's our current answer. So if we have to use the 529 plan plus savings plus some some other items like maybe using some of the IRA money or selling the house, I don't know what it's going to be. Or maybe the dreaded school loan. I just don't know. We're going to have to figure that out. But honestly, I only have two or three years away before I have to make that decision with my son. And then my daughter will be six years behind him. So we'll have to figure that out. So Jody, what's your current situation with uh, your kids and, and college savings? Well, it's something pretty similar. You know, I mean, we, we don't have, we've started plans for them. We have 529s for them. Uh, and then we have a, a, a savings account for them, which is kind of like a catch all, you know, put money away every week kind of thing. Uh, and then we get to the end of the year and take a look at that. Yeah, when we use that, we dip into that savings account throughout the year for everything from, you know, baseball signups to, you know, new sneakers when they need new sneakers and all that kind of other kid stuff. Um, and that and that's how we fund sort of the, the recurring things that that we're going to need for them. And then at the end of the year, we look at that account and we say, OK, you know, how much can we comfortably grab from that account and transfer over to a to an ESA? Um, to grab the the tax deduction and to put that that money away and let that grow, I'll say that I have not been impressed at all with the growth on the ESA in my kids' accounts. Um, we use the the state the state managed the New York state managed ESA account um, through J P Morgan Chase, and uh, it 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 all but blows, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you. You, you, you put money in there and it's like, oh, great, you know, you're saving for your kids college. And it's like, I might as well just stuff it under the mattress. And, I, and I'm yeah, and that's not necessarily so much to bang on that one bank as as it is to bang on all banks. I think I think all banks just pretty much kind of stink. Um, you know, it's a it's a place to stash your money. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's a place to deposit to direct you deposit your, your check every week, you know, and pay your bills out of uh, other than that. You know, you really just kind of you. I mean, you might as well work your envelope system. So. Yeah, absolutely. Same experience. I think the, the 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 accounts I have for my kids, where we put kind of money coming in from a holiday or, or a relative, doesn't do anything. It it just doesn't move, uh, which is sad. When I was a kid, I had a paper out. So I've been working since like twelve years old, right? I had my paper. I used to throw papers. Used to make fifty five, fifty to fifty five bucks a week, and most of it went in the bank. Um, my brother inherited that route, and most of that money went to the local hobby shop for remote control cars and, and, and all kinds of stuff. So, um, But I used to put my money away, and that's that's another topic for a different a different podcast. But Yeah, um, I do think, let me jump in there, though, quickly. Um, I, that, it goes back to my thing that I always like to talk about, which is being intentional with your money. Um, and, you know, you use the phrase, well, we'll figure it out when we get there. And we're kind of in the same boat with our kids you know we're we're saving a little bit we're certainly not saving enough we know we're not saving enough just looking at the cost of college um but it's it's sort of that on the one hand better than nothing kind of an approach absolutely um and and on the other hand you look at it and you say okay that's the first step in the right direction okay being intentional with your money budgeting out everything in your household figuring out how much every week or every paycheck or whatever it is for you um that you can put, manage to put aside, put that money aside, and then take the next step and say, okay, how do I improve on that? How do I make that better? Um, and I think if you can do that, not only with your kids' college savings, but with, with anything that's in your budget, when you're trying to save for something, or you, you know you have an expense coming up that you, that you need to have a bunch of money for, um, 
it, I think it's essential that you do that because if you don't do that, you're just going to, it's just going to be like a car swerving around an icy road and you're just going to try to keep from crashing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, uh, like I said, we talked about this on the last podcast. I take a different approach. You, you go kind of the micro level, I go at the macro level. And in fact, it prompted me to dust off cause I was in, I was, I was remiss in, in, uh, not maintaining my, my family dashboard for a little while. And I, visited this past week and I found something in there that I said, oh, I got to take care of that. I forgot. I left one job and they had a, I had a, a 401k with my old job and I needed to make sure that that got transferred over to my IRA account. It was just kind of sitting there collecting fees. Like it was just getting drained of fees because I no longer worked for that firm. And um, so it, it is helpful. And I wish I, I had the rigor to kind of dive in and, and at the micro level. Um, but I think we're both the same in the in the fact that we're we we want to watch our money as carefully as we as we can, or at least to our to our satisfaction, to make sure we're just watching where things are going, which I think is important. Um, and I think you know one of the things that um, you know that that continues to come up in my mind um, is is how much do I have to save for college, right? How much? I guess ideally, I would love to pay for for the education for both kids all four years, at least give them four years of education if I can. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to, um, but that was my goal when I started having kids was because I had to take out school loans and work my way through. I wanted to give my kids the advantage of not having to worry about those first four years, right? Now, graduate school, master's degree, doctorates, um, law school, um, medical school, all those things, um, quite frankly, are going to be beyond me, and that's where the kids are going to have to kick in. Uh, unless something drastically changes, I don't think I'd be able to significantly help in those endeavors but um for for a four-year education my hope was that i'd be able to to pay in full but that that dream is quickly fading away so i'm focused on how much do i have to save and and i'm sticking to my guns in terms of my number every year that i can put away with the realization that when the kids are of age and they're going to school then um, i know i'm going back to figuring it out then but i'm going to have to look at these different avenues including you know, is there a possibility that the kids can, you know, get some sort of um, scholarship or some sort of uh, break at the school? And those are the kind of things that um, I'd, I'd like to investigate. What are your thoughts on terms of how much how much does one save? What what is the what is what should people be saving in terms of putting their kids through school? So I think that uh, I mean the the short answer, and maybe not a really uh, terrific answer, is is you got to save as much as you can, right? Yep. Um, but the other thing I think people need to really look into because uh, people don't think of this. They think of it in the abstract but not in the, uh, in the intentional is um, financial aid, uh, both uh, government loans, state, state and federal, as well as um, programs at individual institutions. You know, there's, there's scholarship money that sits around at these colleges that never gets used. Mm -hmm. um, and I've worked for a couple of different colleges, had them as clients. Um, uh, financial aid offices have this money, and it's not that they're hiding it. Um, they just don't – they don't have anyone applying for it. They don't have anyone use it. And uh, and I think a simple phone call to a financial aid office at the college you know that you're going to be going to um, is a huge investment. Um, looking on the website – uh, seeing what's available, you know, and it, and it comes in, you know, thousands, you know, a thousand bucks here and a thousand bucks there and $1,500 there. But, 
you can combine all these things. Also, not-for-profit institutions, you know, foundations and things, mm-hmm. give give away tons of money. Um, and and I I had a, a foundation as a client recently too that had educational scholarships for kids. They said they had one scholarship was worth forty thousand dollars over four years. It had gone unclaimed for five years. Wow, wow, that's that's pretty so you're telling. You're talking about forty thousand. Yeah, they give away forty thousand dollars every year to one student to use over the course of you're so you're talking about over five years you're talking about two hundred thousand dollars just sitting there waiting to be spent on tuition so you really gotta in addition to saving you really got to be smart and you got to scour the web you've got to make phone calls and look it's easier than ever to get all this information right um scour the web make phone calls you know call a financial aid office hey what kind of scholarships do you have you know, and, and, and don't be looking for the, you know, don't be looking for the big one, you know, like the one that's going to take you, the one that's going to take you all the way through, get a thousand bucks and a thousand bucks and a thousand bucks and 1500 bucks. And you turn around and you get, you know, you got it, maybe you got a year paid for. Yeah. I think that makes the most sense. Right. I mean, and I think you're right on track with my thinking as well. Um, with my son, um, you know, and my daughter thinking about, you know, what colleges they want to pick and picking the right school, right, for the right price. And what I've talked to other parents who have kids now that are in college, um, I'm hearing that the, uh, in some cases, I'm not sure how, how, how true this is, but if a kid is looking at two or three different colleges, you can go back to the college of his or her choice and, and talk to the bursar office, right? Talk to them, talk to the administration and say, listen, my kid wants to go here. And almost like the advertised number is the sticker price. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but it doesn't hurt to have a conversation to say, hey, my kid really wants to go to your school. Um, there's two other schools that are, you know, $10,000 a year cheaper. What can you, can you help us, right? And, and in some cases, they've been able to help. In other cases, no, right? Depends on the school. But in other cases, they've been able to help, right? So um, for me, um, it comes down to, you know, like, like you're saying is, and, and I think we're both saying the same thing is, Picking the right school, getting you know, and and figuring out what you want to do, and being intentional with your money, and all those pieces, um, all come into play, right? And scholarships, those are key, right? Whether they're big or small, they all add up, and they're all money at the end of the day. So, um, what are your feelings on on school loans, Jody? I know for me, um, I, I'm scared of them, just like my like I was scared of my mortgage. I'm scared of the the dreaded school loan, right? But um, it might be a necessary evil, and I might have to contend with that dragon once again. Uh, when when it comes up, but what are your thoughts on school loans? I think I mean I, I I think a loan is is just like any piece of debt. It's like a credit card, right? You don't want it. Um, now the difference with a school loan is okay. Um, if I'm going to take the school loan, ask yourself the question: How am I going to make this money back? And how am I going to make it back? You know, fivefold, sixfold, tenfold, whatever that is. Um, you know, don't take a don't take a student loan for $50,000 to get a $15,000 a year job, right? That's just dumb. Absolutely. Um, yep. Ask yourself the question, why am I taking this loan and how is it going to propel me forward? If you, I mean, if you take, you know, by the same token, if you take $50,000 in, in student loans and you're going to graduate knowing that you at least have the potential, the opportunity to get a job that's making you $100,000, a year right out of the gate well then bang you should be able to pay that student loan back in five years there's no excuse um so so that you got to do the math you got you got to get down to the micro level and do the math 
and understand why you're taking the taking on the debt understand how that's going to be gassing your tank for your financial future and then make sure that when you get out and you get that job your first order of business right after food and a roof over your head is paying off that loan getting rid of that as fast as possible because um, otherwise it's just going to hang out i mean you you described it about you know the the mistake that got happened with the the servicing on your loan and and just the interest payments alone i mean the interest payments will kill you the interest payments will double the the debt on on any loan it'll double it um you know in terms of the amount that you pay back and the, and the time that it takes to to pay it back um don't underestimate the the quicksand that a student loan is um i'm not saying don't take them but be smart about taking them absolutely and loans uh to add are they're they're not bankruptable school loans in general for the most part are not bankruptable right so um there's no way out of a school loan right once you take it it's yours and and that's another thing for parents and and kids alike to be to, to be focused on and and it, it beyond the the burden of debt it can it could cause distress in the family right um you know you have uh, the, maybe the parent and the child have a shared responsibility to pay the loan well whose name is the loan in right so let's say it's in the kids and the parents hit a tough streak where they a tough break where they can't pay and then the parent then the kids are you know not as uh in tune with what happened like there's so many things that can happen when it comes to school loan and the mixing and matching of debt between parents and kids and yeah in general the, i think the general rule of thumb and, and what we've been talking about all of this today is you know picking the right school at the right price looking for those scholarships to make sure that you tap all resources available in terms of additional funding right um save as much as you can um, while the kid is young and start that saving early into uh, a 529 plan um um, to see if you can get some growth out of that money. But don't expect gangbusters out of that growth. Um, but um, you, you hope that you get some level of return uh, when you go to use the money and, and, and kind of focus focus on those pieces. So um, I think that um, this was a great topic to kind of explore. And I think there's probably subtopics to kind of talk about on future podcasts. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, there's so much to talk about with, with college funding. I don't think we could fit it all into one one podcast, but um, but this was a great uh, show today. Uh, and Jody, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today and personally looking forward to the next one. Yeah, these are always good, Paul. Looking forward to the next one for sure. Cool, cool. And uh, thanks everyone for uh, subscribing and downloading to our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com. And with that, until next time, be well and thank you. <laughs>